Welcome to Subscribing to Wellness, the show where Rachel Newman and myself, Daniel Fairman, sit down with leading founders, executives, and investors committed to building a healthier future for consumers. Today on Subscribing to Wellness, we are joined by co-founder and CEO of HVMN, Michael Brandt. HVMN stands for Health Via Modern Nutrition, and its first product is a liquid ketone supplement called Ketone IQ. The product was developed alongside the U.S. military and top universities to deliver all of the incredible benefits for energy and cognitive performance in a single bottle. We talked to Michael about his personal exercise passion, what exactly a ketone is, and how HVMN is looking to disrupt this space. Michael, welcome to Subscribing to Wellness. Thanks so much for joining us today. Daniel, thanks for having me. And Rachel, we're looking forward to a great convo. Yep. So we appreciate the time. Would love to just kick it off by hearing a bit about your background prior to starting Ketone IQ, just HBMN. I mean, what were you doing before um, and, and kind of what led you into this world of ketones? I studied computer science and product design at Stanford. That's where I met my co-founder. And we were always really passionate about biohacking. We started one of the first nootropics businesses in 2014. It was called Nootrobox. And we were the first nootropics company on Shark Tank. We got covered everywhere, Wall Street Journal, Vice, Bloomberg, BuzzFeed, Business Insider. We were one of the first ones to have that insight of, hey, everyone's eating caffeine daily, billion cups of coffee or drink every day. What if you stack other things besides caffeine for a better performance profile? And we really pushed the category of nootropics early on. And then our interests started broadening out. We, we got into intermittent fasting. We have a massive fasting community. I personally got into marathoning. So I'm a semi-pro marathoner, run six minute miles for the marathon, do a lot of training around that, do some triathlons too. And we have always been passionate about taking this systems approach and applying it to our personal health and performance and building this community around it. And as we started looking more at the space, what kept coming up was like bulletproof coffee was trending. Keto diet was trending. I was getting into marathoning. We're doing intermittent fasting, intermittent fasting, taking off as the go-to productivity, fitness, longevity hack for Silicon Valley, you know, and beyond. And what, what the word that kept coming up is ketones. Cause if you're fasting, if you're low, whenever you are low carb, your body makes ketones. So if you're fasting, you're just by definition, you're low carb, your body's going to start making ketones as a backup efficient energy source. If you're running a marathon or running, you know, 10 miles, your, your body's going to start making ketones. If you are eating bulletproof coffee, drinking bulletproof coffee, the whole reason people do that and add, you know, butter MCT to their coffee is to, those are forms of fat that can relatively easily turn into ketones. So the word ketones kept coming up and my co-founder and I asked that simple first principles question on it of, okay, well, ketones are so cool. If we're doing all these, jumping through all these hoops to get a, get our bodies to produce ketones, why can't you just go to the store and buy a ketone? Like you can go buy collagen, you can go buy CBD, you can get omega-3s. Why, why isn't ketones as a nutritional primitive just available at a store, you just buy a shot and drink some ketones and pulling at that thread has been, it's like one of those simple questions that you could, it's like very simply stated, but it's been years of work in, in 2017, we launched the world's first ketone ester. 
our first big customer on that was the US Department of Defense, really interesting for special operators. In January of this year, 2022, we launched the consumer version of it called Ketone IQ, where we brought down the price a lot and we made it a lot more palatable and are getting it into grocery stores and gyms. So it's this very simple mission of, hey, we're all doing metabolism all the time. Ketones are a super fuel for anything that anyone is doing. Let's make it a nutritional primitive, the way that we've seen vital proteins do that with collagen or the way that we've seen functional mushrooms take off in the last several years. Ketones can, are the next one of those next multi-billion dollar category. Uh, so that's it in a nutshell. That's, that's the mission. And there's a lot, a lot of, to unpack within there. There's so much to unpack, but I think I want to take just like one half a step back first. And I definitely relate to you. I was a collegiate runner, just did a triathlon last weekend. So totally in, in your world, but I don't know if all of our listeners fully got like, what is exactly a ketone? Yeah. A ketone is a metabolite. So it is something that your body uses for, for energy. We're all familiar with sugar. Let's start there. Sugar is a metabolite. Glucose is a metabolite. It flows around in your bloodstream. When your muscles need to do things, they, that creates an energy demand. If you need to contract a muscle, it requires energy. If people remember they're a little bit of high school biology, you need ATP the energy currency of your cell, your mitochondria, the power plant of your cell creates ATP all the time. It's an ATP machine. So you need to be always supplying your cells with energy. Muscle cells, yes. Brain cells, yes. Whenever you're doing work, you need to be providing energy. Where's that energy coming from? It's coming from things like sugar and ketones. Ketones are a specific metabolite that your body makes. Body always has made it for 300,000 years. The human body can make a ketone. We make ketones generally when we are low on sugar. So in an ancestral context, we were making ketones all the time because there was no Kit Kats and Fruity Pebbles on the Savannah. There was, there was way less processed carbohydrates. We had generally a lot of ketones floating around in our system. And more recently, we've realized in the last couple of decades, we've realized that ketones are really efficient form of energy. So not all, not all calories are the same. Like sugar has certain properties. Ketones have certain properties when ketones turn into ATP, they do it very efficiently. They require less oxygen. They cause less oxidative stress. Subjectively, a lot of people feel different, better when they are, when their, when their brain is fueling on ketones versus sugar. We're all familiar with like a sugar spike and a crash. A lot of people on the other hand, when they're eating low carb or they're doing some sort of controlled intermittent fasting, or they have a runner's high where, where their body is starting to produce its own ketones. And any of these contexts where you're, where you're making ketones, there's this like subjective lift that, that people can uh, subjectively enjoy. Yeah, no, 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 that definitely makes sense. So why are, so, so as an athlete yourself and as you guys were, you know, digging into all of the, the aspects of biohacking, why are ketones so important and how are you guys kind of going after you're definitely not going after like the everyday human maybe because i think like the people that are attracted to a product like yours is definitely someone that's like optimizing for performance or more of an athlete so i guess i'd love to hear the balance of your target consumer as well as like why does the everyday person need this but why also is this like great for high performing athletes yeah, this is a great question. And, and 
it's we're at a certain snapshot in time where right now we are mainly talking to high performers. We're mainly talking to people who own a Peloton or an Aura Ring or are wearing a Levels continuous glucose monitor. People with high understanding of their own biomarkers, high aptitude for what is going on inside of their body as a system. At the same time, when we see where collagen is at now after being on the market for a decade or where CBD is at after being on the market for a couple of decades, our mission is to be like that, like cross the chasm. I don't think people eating collagen right now all have like a you know master's degree in whatever, or even necessarily listen to a podcast about collagen. It's, it's at a spot where it is generally accessible to an everyday person. So as a business, where we're at right now, Snapshot is we are mainly talking to more target center of the bullseye, people that are really into health and optimization. That's how, that's how early adoption starts. That's where the early trends start with the mission of ex expanding concentric circles out from there. And that everyone's doing metabolism all the time. Ketones are great in five years. Everyone's going to be drinking ketones. Yeah, I guess I'd like to understand. So if you guys are now targeting, like right now you're targeting that high performing athlete subset, because those are probably the most people that will like know what a ketone is and ketosis and are familiar, like you just mentioned, Yeah, those people probably are more likely to already maybe be adopting either like a full on keto diet or something along the lines of keto diet where they're eating less carbohydrates than the average person. So their body is in like kind of more of a state of ketosis. Do you still need ketone IQ, your product? Or is like, at what point does too much ketones become not good? There, the, the reason ketones are interesting for an elite performer is you actually want to fuel with ketones and carbs at the same time. It's like being a like a Prius. It has gas and electricity. It's not this either or thing. So I'm a marathon runner. I don't do a low carb diet. Like I, I, I don't eat like sugar. I don't, I stay away from like processed stuff. So maybe lowish carb. Um, but I definitely have some carbs. It's part of my training and nutrition around that. And I also have ketones and that this is a way a lot of our tour de France athletes, special operator partners work is they're dual fueling. So what's cool about it is normally you can only have ketones in your system if you were completely starved of carbohydrates. And that's when your body will make its own ketones. So traditionally it's an either or trade-off. What's cool now is you can have carbs, you can have a banana or a bagel, and you can have ketones. And so you basically, these, these two differentiated sources of fuel can both be full and can both be powering your cells at the same time. And so you get more throughput, you get more, it's like more gas going at once, more metabolites can be a, a, a available. Yeah, it's super interesting. Uh, it's, and it's also, I was like, you know, over the last week, just like learning more about this ketone space and like you Google ketones and the first thing that comes up in, at the top of the SEO is ketoacidosis. And it's not talking about kind of the benefits of having like ketones when you're doing ketosis. It really talks about this ketoacidosis risk. And I think like in a way you're educating consumers, right. On kind of like the healthy way to, uh, input kind of ketones into your daily kind of routine. Um, could you talk a little bit about like quantity and, and I guess maybe when you were doing product formulation, like 
how do you think through having the right kind of dosage size, dosage size when you were thinking about kind of how much ketones you'd have per bottle and per serving? Yeah. Yeah. This is an ongoing, ongoing mission for us with education because keto acidosis is pretty, it's like, it's pretty specific and it's like very high levels of ketones. And it's pretty specific in people with type one diabetes, where basically if you have type one diabetes, your body's not able to metabolize glucose. And so your body will ramp super, like super high on ketone production to a point where it's detrimental, where like way too much ketones in your system. And I mean, to put numbers on it, it's ketones are measured in terms of millimoles per liter of blood. And so ketoacidosis starts around 13 millimoles per liter. It's like very, very high level of ketosis and it's really serious. And you definitely don't want to get that in something that type one diabetics watch out for in a more normal context. Like if you have a, a shot or a couple of shots of ketone IQ, you get your ketone levels go up to like one or two. And like I've done extended fasting, like I've done, a, I did a seven day long fast in a normal, healthy human, your, your ketone levels will get up to, if you're fasting, you'll get up to five, six millimole. If you go on a long run and you do a finger prick, depending on how metabolically flexible you are, you'll see you're, you're already at one or two millimole. Even if you haven't drank a ketone, your body will be making its own ketones. So ketoacidosis is like very, yeah, this is part of what we need, what we're like educating and, and, um, building content around in the space where it's like, yeah, there is so, such a thing as too much of a good thing, but, um, generally the range that, that we're in is like way under and, uh, it's been, it's, it's beneficial. Yeah. That makes yeah. sense. I think I, I'd love to understand. So I feel like for you guys, so much of, you know, this initial brand launch, not initial, but just like, as you infiltrate the market more and more, so much of it is around education and what is ketosis? What is keto? What are ketones? Educating the consumer ab- around this topic, and I, I'd love to understand your perspective on it. You know, the keto diet was was big a couple of years ago, and everyone was like all about keto. And I think now more and more the keto diet is getting not the best rap, and people are more and more about like. 80, 20 and being more flexible and doing what works for you. And there's not like a one size fits all, like, I'm not going to label my diet in a certain way. How are you like, what's your perspective on this? And how are you guys navigating that with launching a product into the market? That's like keto. Yeah. I love this question. I, I have such a love hate relationship with the keto diet. I've, I've done it. I, I do. I'm not a strict stickler of it. Um, I think metabolic health is important. I think that the, the big issue with the keto diet is it's seen as this black and white scenario where you're either like in the tribe or you're not. And if you're in the tribe, you're trying to like c- convert everyone into your cult. And if you're not in the tribe, you think that the cult is insane. It's like, it's the wrong framing. Cause the truth is that met- metabolism, metabolic health is a spectrum. It's like how much like you can, you can be in ketosis sometimes. Like you can get into, you can, you can have somewhat elevated ketones on a daily basis or a few times a week but while also eating carbs. So it's more like a, sh- a shades of gray from one to 10 of how much time are you spending in ketosis where on one end of the spectrum, it's like, okay, 10 out of 10 is I do strict keto diet. I never touch a carb. My body is constantly always making its own ketone levels. I'm always at three millimole of ketones. Like I'm always high ketones. 
other end of the spectrum being like, I do, I buy all my groceries at 7-Eleven. I'm constantly drinking a Slurpee and eating a Twix bar. I'm constantly eating sugar. I'm never producing any ketones. There's this whole spectrum in the middle, which, which you're right. It's, it's, it's more where the conversation is going is like, okay, where do I want to be? Like, what is, how do I be metabolically healthy? How do I live a normal life? How do I enjoy I don't know, going out for a pasta dinner without, without causing early onset diabetes by overdoing it on processed carbohydrates. So there's a lot of shades of gray in between. What it reminds me of is I think about, you know, brand building in this space is, is veganism and how veganism has reframed into plant-based where veganism used to have that black and white, like your special underpants club of like, you're a vegan or you're not. And now it's more plant-based where people without being all the way vegan or not, like you can still opt for the plant-based option for the burger or for the what have you at the at the restaurant or when you're grocery shopping and it's a lot more down to earth where people can just like move a slider or hey i want to be like more plant-based versus I, like okay yeah. i'm officially vegan with a capital v and i subscribe yeah. to PETA and i hate you if you eat a cow like it, yeah it reminds me too of like melissa urban from uh whole 30 mm -hmm. and that like you know, there's the, there's the, there's all these books and there's like the list of yes foods and no foods, but she has very much adopted the whole 30 to be like an ever evolving changing mm -hmm. list. So like as new science comes out, she's added in like white potatoes and rice that are like whole 30 approved. And I think people appreciate that this is like an ever evolving scale. And I think now that you mention it that way of like, you're, but you can eat the bagel and you can eat carbohydrates in your diet, but you can also, you know, be high performing with added ketones, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a spectrum. It's like, you want to be, if we put ketone IQ to the side, cause that's, if we put, if we put that to the side, if, if that didn't exist, if there wasn't an ability to drink ketones, what I'd say is you want, you want to be spending some time with elevated ketone levels naturally it's okay to eat the bagel it's okay to eat the pasta it's also okay so it's good to go on a run and burn a lot of carbs because you're actively exerting yourself it's good to spend a couple of days in a week not eating much or any carbs there's so there's this natural like feast or famine or rest and recover versus fight and flight that like there is a certain sine wave to how you can be addressing your nutrition so it's not the case. I don't think ancient humans were in constant state of ketosis. There was, you know, berries and grains. You mm -hmm. had some carbohydrates available, but at the same time, you also had multiple days where you're not eating that maybe weeks, maybe months where like maybe entire seasons where you don't have access to that. And your body is, is able to develop a sense of flexibility. So we should not like, one thing I will say is like unequivocally, we should not be in this state where like you're 30 years old and like, you just, you've all, you've had constantly elevated blood sugar levels for three decades and your body doesn't know what a ketone is like it hasn't seen it like that that is what we want to get out of and there's a lot of room to wiggle in there without saying like okay therefore you must go all the way bacon avocado keto yeah. diet die hard that's super clear i actually really like that last piece because it's like you don't need to be in a full state of keto all the time right in order to like teach your body like how to properly regulate like ketone levels. And I think also it's 
it's interesting. Like I, I liked your point about evolution because I always had this point of view that like the earliest humans were just eating plants and protein and that's, and that's literally it. But you bring the point that eventually we did evolve, right? To incorporate grains, to incorporate potatoes, to incorporate like actual carbohydrate, pro obviously not simple carbs, like people weren't making bread, but there were, there were carbs. Um, there were carb sources eventually that we evolved to consume. And so I think, right, like this, this kind of theory that we need to eat like the earliest ancestral humans, which was only, you know, plants or protein, I think is kind of now fading out. And I agree, it's about having this, um, I think, you know, differentiated kind of diet on a weekly basis isn't so heavy into one area to Rachel's point. Um, and so, yeah, go ahead. I think it's interesting to talk about just even the in, with an ancestral, it's like, okay, do you cook your meat or not? Are you, are we talking about yeah. fire or post fire? Yeah. Cause like applying fire to meat was itself a major step function in, in human development where when you cook meat, you, you basically are digesting it. You're applying energy to your meat that breaks it down so that when you digest, you're able to digest it more quickly. So you get, you get higher quality, quicker access to calories when you cook your meat versus eating it raw. But like you can also eat raw meat. Yeah. It, it's an interesting analogy to draw out of, okay, like to what extent do we like the application of technology to food? Like if you, if you're saying complete Lindy, I will only eat what caveman ate. It's like, I don't even know if you get to cook your meat. You know what I mean? I, it's like, okay, you can have raw meat and I don't know, pond water. Like, I, I don't know what you're, what you're, where do you draw the line and say, okay, like some amount of, of application of technology is a step in the right direction. Some of it is not, I do not think a Twinkie is an awesome application of technology to food. I think it, it, it's, there's some nuance to it, like to which technologies, to what extent right. do we consider this technology to be increasing the quality of food? Like, do we like hydroponics? Like, I don't know if hydroponics can fuel, if you can, if you can have, um, I don't know, cultured salmon that's yeah. made um that's free of microplastics like do we consider that to be a good technology like i i don't think that the the dimension to look at it is like or at least not how i look at it is not like pro or anti-tech there's more nuance to it of like what tech yeah. why yeah it, it's super interesting too like to that last point on like plant-based salmon or like cultured salmon like I was listening to an interesting podcast that Jason Carp, and he was just kind of making the point that we've eaten meat directly from animals for so, so long. And so the, the plant-based argument I can kind of more relate to, because you're still, you know, you're, you're recreating something out of plants, but then when you start to try to recreate the flesh of an animal through kind of cellular uh, means like cell-based options or, you know, molecular options, the human, I think there's going to be like, like, I think there's going to be kind of timid adoption, at least for the first year when it comes kind of mass available, because the human body has never been exposed to meat production in this manner. And so it'll be really interesting to see, like, after a few years of consuming cell-based meat for the first time in the human race, if the kind of metabolic effects mimic exactly the effects that we are kind of having by eating meat from the, from the animal itself. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think there's, and there's a lot of levels in it where it's like, would you rather have like cell-based meat that's free of antibiotics right. Right. or would you rather have like a real cow, but well, how real is it if it's pumped full of, of a bunch of chemicals? Right. Um, 
not to mention we've crossbred cows a bunch. And so they're like different from their ancestral past. So I think I, I hope I'm not ruffling too many feathers here by saying this, but I, I generally think meat is, is good. Like for, yeah. if we're, if we're, if we're looking specifically at health outcomes, I think that meat is, uh, it's always been part of the diet. And I think it's a, uh, good calorie dense source of nutrients. I think it's, I think it can be hard if you cut meat out of your diet to get everything that you need. Um, excited to see how a lot of this like cell-based culture-based. Yeah. It'll be super interesting. Small. Yeah. Yeah. And so just, I think we talked about ketosis pretty heavily in ketones in terms of like what they are and how they impact the body. Um, I guess my question is obviously ketones are a chemical your body produces, right. When it burns stored fat. So if it's something that the body is producing, right, it's produced in your body during certain times of uh, dieting or exercise, how are you putting ketones in a bottle, in a liquid, I guess, in a liquid format? And if that's proprietary, totally understand. Um, but just curious how you're kind of taking it from being a process that really happens inside the body to now being commercially available. Yeah, there's, there's a lot to it and there's different approaches because ketones actually exist in nature too where they're inside of other other animals produce it it's produced by certain plants like there's there's small amounts of ketones inside of avocados and and capsicum like like uh, red peppers and a few other plants so in principle you could extract it from nature that's not how we do it it's not it's not efficient to do that we do a more advanced biochemical process where essentially you genetically modify yeast bacteria such that by feeding it a feedstock which is typically sugar that the byproduct of that bacteria is the target molecule in our case ketones so this is a synthesis bio this is a cutting edge biosynthesis and it can be completely sustainable if you're using the right feedstocks it can be completely cradle to grave sustainable uh, it's how a lot of different compounds are manufactured there's also you can also with petrochemicals like you know petroleum obviously you can make a lot of different things there's also a petrochemical way to make ketones Petro everyone likes petrochemicals in the sense that they're very dynamic you can make all sorts of food and and flavors and you know all sorts all sorts of target molecules out of petroleum but it's not as sustainable so we like the biosynthesis route this is wild. I'm just thinking it reminds me of like kombucha where you like feed. Yeah. You're feeding the SCOBY sugar so that like it continuously grows. And then you like have these yeah. cultures. It's like a high-tech kombucha factory. I'm, I'm friends with this guy, Trey, who runs a company called Better Booch. He's amazing. And we were laughing oh, about yeah. because it's like, we kind of do the same thing, but it's like completely different. Like he's yeah. In, in the abstract, it's the same idea. It's like you, you have this no, very specialized I... <laughs> SCOBY is, that's, that's making your nice kombucha. Like we have a SCOBY, so to speak, that's making ketones. That's crazy. Um, I want to just under, like, if we boil it all down and, you know, our listeners and consumers have your product, what is like the feeling they're like, what are they going to feel? Yeah. Okay. Your brain needs energy to run. So if you take caffeine or nootropics or psilocybin or whatever, whatever is your, you know, your mud water for sigmatic, whatever, you're creating an increase in brain activity in some way. And, or even if you're doing breath work, like 
even if you're just staring at your screen and, and meditating and focusing really hard, you're creating some increase in brain activity. Where's that? Where's the energy coming from for that? None of those things I mentioned have any calories inside of them. They're increasing brain activity. They're like getting the engine going. What is providing that energy? You can provide it with sugar. You can provide it with ketones. A lot of people feel with ketones, like to answer your question on how, like, how, what does it feel like? I, Got to kind of try for yourself, but generally people feel like dialed in, but not in a overly stimulated way. They feel like alert, but low anxiety, low stress, pretty dialed in. And it seems to compound well with you know, whatever your nootropic or other, other psychoactive thing that you're eating or practice, if it's breath work or meditation, whatever you're doing that is creating that increase in brain activity ketones seem to stack well with it. Crazy. That, yeah. Okay. Okay. That all makes sense. Um, we're going to lighten the mood a little bit and hit, hit some <laughs> rapid fire, oh, not the rapid mood, fire. just lighten yeah, yeah. Uh, intellectual stimuli going on. Yeah. Uh, rapid fire questions your way, which super random, but we'll, we'll shoot them your way. Fastest marathon time. 242. Jesus Christ. That's uh that sounds painful to me, but, but I bet if you're a ketone supercharged, you're fine. It's, it hurts so good. I, I don't know what to say. It's a, it's a sick addiction. I love it, but it hurts, but I love it. Favorite meal to, to eat during the week. I have a really simple meal that I make almost, like almost every day, which is like salmon and spinach and a little bit of rice. And that's like my go-to power lunch or if there's nothing, didn't think ahead for dinner. Well, I love salmon. salmon. Salmon is my desert island food. Salmon's I agree. Best. I eat salmon all the time. The Salmon's best. great. Um, this is going to be a hot question. Favorite carb? Favorite carb? <laughs> We have the ketone guy on the podcast and we asked him his favorite carb. <laughs> it's great. Let's see. I must say, I love, I love a good slice of pizza. I, like I, yeah, I think pizza is amazing. Fair enough. Um, and we know that you obviously have run the marathon, but what's your favorite like distance to run or your favorite form of exercise besides running? Oh, besides running. I run almost every day. It's to me, it's the easy thing. It's like, you can all, if I'm ever like indecisive of, Oh, what should I go to? I just, as soon as my brain starts chattering, I just lace up my shoes and run. Like, I don't like to have to think at all. Even if I'm traveling, if I'm at, where's the latest local gym? Oh, is it back day or legs day or chest? Day? Like I just lace up and run. Like that's to me, the keep it simple, stupid. I do a lot of barefoot running. I run in Vibrams or more recently I've gotten into just like leave the shoes at home all the way and just go on a trail run barefoot um, i live by like a nature preserve in la and and so it's it's not um it's not central park or whatever it's it's like pretty outdoorsy um aside from that bike biking and swimming i'm also a triathlete i like biking and swimming i i, I like i okay i don't know if you feel this way rachel but i like love hate swimming like i'm not that good at it but i love it for that reason yeah Maybe other triathletes feel that way like i'm not that good at it but like the challenge of it is really fun yeah, when it I need clicks, it feels attitude. really good. I need to have that attitude because I feel like for me, it's been like 
the triathlon killer has been the swim. I'm like, I don't, I don't want to go work on the swimming, but I think if I need, I just need to have the attitude change because I love the biking and the running. Swimming is, is special. It's like when it clicks, it's like, I get it. It's like, wow. Yeah. Cause there's a way to swim where you are like not gasping for breath, where your rhythm is really good, where as soon as you need oxygen, oh, wow. I'm on the right side and my head is coming up and I, my form is good. So I'm not splashing water in my mouth and I take a breath and I keep going on my merry way. And like, it actually yeah. all comes together, but, but you feel key, like you're juggling. You feel like you're juggling like chainsaws or something. The key is do what I did and do a team triathlon. Okay. Yeah. You only do the part that you're really good at, which I did the running. You did the running cross, cross country athlete. <laughs> yeah there you go yeah our our last question that we always ask but honestly i feel like you might have already answered it but if you have some other some other things you focus on is just how you subscribe to wellness on a weekly basis sounds like you're a big runner um biker swimmer but what are maybe some other habits that you're focused on on a weekly basis to ensure you're also living a healthy life while managing hbmn one thing i like to say a lot publicly is that I block off my calendar after 2 p.m. I don't do meetings in the afternoon unless something's just P0 absolutely on fire. Oh, like we got to close this candidate or something like that. But I do not like being back-to-back with meetings. I think you need some amount of time on meetings and then you need time to actually like do work and follow up and get stuff done. I, I do not like a culture that is all day meetings. And then like, when does the work actually happen? And I think that leads to burnout. That leads to just this never ending treadmill where it's really hard to go to bed at the end of the day. Like I, I like to organize my time around that to me, like the meetings are cool, but meetings are in service of isolated time to be able to actually think deeply and get stuff done. Yeah. I love that answer. It's great. Um, where can our listeners find you ketone iq where where can they find all the above yeah say hello i'm on twitter and instagram and everything um my handle is at bdm underscore runner company is called health via modern nutrition we have at hvmn on all the channels love to hear what people are up to whether you're training for your first half marathon or building a business that's unrelated but curious how to you know get the get the supply chain running on something new love to hear from people wherever they're at on their on their journey around business building or personal health or any of that. Awesome. Thanks a lot for joining us, Michael. We appreciate the time. Daniel and Rachel, this is a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Thanks everyone for listening to today's episode. Feel free to rate, review, and share the podcast. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to Wellness. If you'd like to sponsor us, please see the supporter link in our podcast bio. We hope everyone has a great rest of week filled with wellness and we'll see you next time. Thank you.